Big Weed here. Today we review an amber and discuss ideal cities. Hello and welcome to Beer in Conversation with Big Weed and Crow Hill. Good evening, Crow Hill. Good evening, Big Weed. Oh, is here. Thank goodness. All righty. Uh, yes. What is on your mind? Well, when you think about ideal cities, yeah, I was thinking about this one time where Mrs. Crowhill's car had was messed up, and I had to go fix it. So I I drove up and uh, gave her my car, and I fixed her car, and I had I was hungry, so I wanted to find a McDonald's. Right. And uh, and I'm in Columbia, Maryland. Right. Which is a planned city, okay? Yeah, and and, 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 and uh, McDonald's you can spot from half a mile away. Yeah, exactly. So you it, should see the gold it should be plenty easy. I'm driving around looking for a McDonald's, and I can smell the McDonald's. <laughs> You're that close, but yeah, but I I'm looking all around. There's no signs because Columbia has these rules. Yeah, that, like the signs have to be three inches yeah. by four inches, or something. right? And, and uniform and all the same color, right? And, yeah, and they, yeah, so they can't put the golden arches. You can't you can't find the McDonald's. <laughs> the McDonald's by sense of smell. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Columbia plan, for That's you. a planned city. Yeah, there that's planned. That's yeah, planned that's city. a problem. Or is it? Yeah, we'll find out We'll here. find out, yeah. uh, Let's find out what's in this, go- this golden, delicious-looking beverage here we have before <laughs> us. Beverage is the right Look word. Look at right. that. It's a nice oh, color. It's lovely. Nice color. Amber. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Not a whole lot of hop anything going on there. No, no. Uh, what, uh, what are we talking about here ABV-wise? Oh, 0.5%. Oh, it's the old 0.5. <laughs> yes, it is. It's uh, not even a beer. It's a what? It's a non-alcoholic brew. Brew. Yeah, <laughs> yes, brew we, indeed. We've seen this before. They won't They won't call it a beer when it's uh, one of these low-alcohol things. All right. Less than so, 0.5. So, yes. It is the PGA Tour official brew, by the way. <laughs> is it yeah. now? Yeah. All right. So, Odul's Premium Odul's Amber. Right, which, I mean, I guess it should be a little bit maltier than your regular Odul's. Yeah, which I haven't anything. had for 15 years, I <laughs> yeah. don't think. But. Yeah, so, right, we are torturing ourselves with a series of non-alcoholic brews so we can find out if which the, is the, best, if the yeah. circumstance comes down to it and you need to drink yourself a non-alcoholic beer, yeah. we're going to be able to... Uh, can you stomach them? Yeah, so we're going to be able to give you... Yeah, so we're on uh, number five here in the last month or so. And this one, I, I would Where not you, rank toward the top. Not really. Some of the other ones had a whole lot more beer flavor. And, like, the Partake was pretty good. The, you know, the Athletic one was pretty good. This one just is kind of... So what? It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. give me something fancy like an ideal city. Yeah. Okay. So an ideal city would be better. I'd like to have an ideal beer. But well, let me tell you how this came, this this topic came about. Okay. They uh, people have been wondering, is it the Chinese? Who is it that's buying up millions of dollars near the Cal- a California military base, Travis Air Force Base? Somebody is secretly. Buying acres upon acres upon acres, and uh, it's not not the Chinese. It's not paranoia to think that it's the Chinese because because they are spying on us, and they are and they are buying up land, farmland near bases in other places. Yes. Well, the word is out, and well, 
we'll find out if this is worse or better than the Chinese, is uh, Silicon Valley millionaires and billionaires. And why are they doing this? Why are they doing it? Because the deep-pocketed investors reportedly plan to turn the land into their vision of an ideal city featuring sustainable energy and pedestrian-friendly layout. Uh-huh. So here it is out in the, I guess, I don't know. And, well, everything not near the coast is desert. <laughs> it's desert, uh-huh. so, right. so it's in the desert. It's not spies, and we're going to leave it to Silicon Valley to create... The ideal uh, city, and who else but billionaire tech moguls know how we should be living? Of course, because yeah, they, they can—they've already been trying to control our lives in every other way. So they're just going to try to control. But and since we're talking about cities and all that kind of stuff, that's why we need longevity. That's right. Oh, right. That's right. So I need a little historical background on this. this these tech billionaires aren't the first people to come up with the idea of building the perfect city. Of building the perfect city. It's got a long and not very successful. Issue. No, we haven't. But back before we, we we were building a perfect city, we we're just trying to build a city. Yes, and uh, I don't know when when do we start doing that, Don Jinus, and what, oh, were, about they, 10, what were they doing? Thousand years ago, okay, yeah, you know, and you know, you would build a city either at the, the crossroads of a, of a trading post or a, a river, right. or you know, um, if you wanted defense, you know, by the side of a mountain. So there was always a reason, always a geographical, geological reason why you would build a city in different places. And, you know, once you start building a city, of course, you know, you, you can't have just, you know, everybody doing whatever they want to because they'll build a house in the middle of the road. So all of a sudden, that's when you get that planning. All right, we've got to make a law that you, you can't build here because that's how people go from their house to work <laughs> right. or to the market, you know, yeah. to the market thing. Yeah. So that's sort of sort of the creation of planning and usually it was done by you know uh, a dictator or monarchy king decree and things like that but it was always some sort of planning that started very early on but it kind of developed but it kind of developed in response to it was yeah so what would happen is people would move in and the people start to build houses and then they say well wait a minute we need a road so it was like it was more mm-hmm. organically developed out of the growing community. It wasn't like somebody sat down and said, here, let me design a Right, city. there's a few lodging places, and the guy starts putting his a pig pen in between the two. He's like, not right here. We're living right here. <laughs> right. How about building a right? So, but yes, it's right in a reaction. Uh, yes, bottom up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, that's sort of the creation of a... City, there has to be a reason to be there. It has yeah. to be a reason to be in the city. Right. You know, it could be, you know, religious to industrial to mining or, you know, ports and transportation. But an ideal city is when you really get to the point where, and this was happening in, in, in BC, where people, where like governments and ancient Greece would say, well, you know, we want to have a stakehold and the outer frontier. So, oh, okay, let's make a city. All right. So they would sit there and think about making city. Okay, we'll put uh, the government building here and this over here, and we'll lay out the roads this way. And that's when you get to more of your comprehensive planning. You're more uh, yeah, of yeah. Sure. Well, the Romans went into these barbarian lands. Sure, and they, they had said, to have an idea. And, and right, and it was going to. They're going to build just like the city they just they're already built because we know how to do that. Yeah. Plaza administration. Place to torture people. You know, yeah, right. Right? Right. It's like, we already know how to do this. Roads coming in at this angle, dang, we got it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so there was some central planning that they were 
cookie-cutting well, cities and, throughout. And the Roman example is interesting because they probably, they already knew what how a city works. Yeah, know, amphitheater they, over here. Yeah, they had some that works. Well, let's build one like that over here in the middle of, of Germania. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it could be like, you know, everybody on the boat uh, gets off and they already have the plans of how they're going to sure. build the city. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're bringing, really, the, you're bringing the right amount of supplies, right? The, the right number of road builders, wall builders, and yeah, that's right. You know, and we kind of, you know, back in America, you know, if, if you want to jump uh, over the Middle Ages and Renaissance cities, <laughs> so um, you know, it, you know, America had several different planned cities in some ways. Philadelphia was planned and, you know, every few uh, streets you would have a square. So it was always planned on a square. Uh, the same thing with Williamsburg. Uh, and it was planned to be the, um, the, the, the government center. I mean, the okay. only reason, reason Williamsburg was established was like, we need to create a capital a little bit further inland so we could be closer to the rest of Virginia. Right. And not Jamestown. The same thing happened in Maryland. St. Mary's City, 1634. They came with sort of a plan, but in 1692, they uh, somebody says, "Well, we got to move up to Annapolis." And Annapolis at that time, it, they really created what they call a Baroque-style city. Wow. So, and if you look at that's why you have sort of several different roads leading to the Church Circle and State Circle in in, in Annapolis. Um, Moving forward, you know, uh, was it 1790s? You have Washington D.C. being laid out, and that yeah. was definitely a planned city mm-hmm. in some aspects, mm-hmm. based on the government. It was just going to be government, and it never really ha- had industry. Industry was never its reason for being. Right. Uh, it tried to dis- through the CNO Canal. It tried to create sort of an industry, a port, mm-hmm. uh, transportation. But you know, CNO Canal uh, was clipped by the B&O Railroad, mm-hmm. right. so that didn't really work out. Even though it was a great way of getting building materials to Washington D.C. and getting food and stuffs to Washington D.C. too. But so you know, those are sort of the early, early places that we see in in, um, in America. You know, and some of the scholars in, in some of the books out there will talk about the th- three general characteristics about the new cities. One of them is being based on the government. Annapolis, Washington, D.C., right. St. Mary's, right. uh, Williamsburg. Uh, the second one would be expanding a country's territory. And that's the one where you get on the boat and you're, yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to colonize uh, Boston, for example. You know, Boston's not, Boston's a very organic city, but the but that's sort of the idea of we're going to go create a city on a hill. So there's, when you talk about an ideal city, you're really talking about looking at two things, really the physical development and design of cities, as well as the desires of what a city is going to be your hopes and dreams of the city that you're going to build. Mm-hmm. And sort of those two come together. And then you just jump over to, well, I, I, before I say that, I'd like to say Vatican City, though, is, is, All right. is not really a city, uh, uh, an ideal city. It's really an ideal country. It is a country, right? you True. know, in some aspects. And it was created solely based on housing the Catholic, the, the, the center of the Catholic Church. Right. So then you, but in, in that sense... You, know, you really have a specific goal, mm-hmm. it, or, or or if you're talking about facilitating commerce 
in a town that, a port town that needs to sell grain and stuff like that. So, that, again, you have, but when later on, well, which we'll get to, is how ordinary people should live or what, yeah, right? What makes seems, seems to be there seems to be a difference between planning out like streets and where certain functions <laughs> yeah. are going to be, where, yes, you know, where the port's going to be, all the planning that. And planning, this is the way you're going to live your life. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, right, the, that's, right. our, that's our 20th century folks. Yeah, but it, but it does have its roots. Uh, Thomas More's Utopia, for example, <laughs> yeah, true. was writing about yeah. things like that. You have a, a couple of French scholars. Pinnear, I think, was a, was a, uh, another uh, book, uh, 18th century, 17th century book about you know, creating the ideal city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, towards the end of the 19th century, all of a sudden you get a lot of scholars out there, uh, sociology is being born, and you start to create these t- st- statistics on uh-huh. existing cities. So you have, you know, 1893, uh, Mr. Carroll, can't remember his first name, you know, writes the book on, you know, the slums of Baltimore, Philadelphia. Exactly. Just, and you start to look at that and like, right. well, how can we or deal with Dickens that? Dickens' London, right? Right. So yeah, now you, London. You, right. you get the Industrial Revolution doing things to city that cities that you're going, all right, I'm not sure exactly how people are supposed to live, but this ain't it. <laughs> right? And they're That's going, pretty much, right? <laughs> right? They're going, okay, let's start thinking about cities because this is just becoming a mess. Right. It's dangerous. Uh, people are diseased. There's... Horse poop in the water. All right, this can't be right. So in 1898, this guy named Ebenezer Howard, he he was just a bureaucrat, but he decides to write a a book called uh, Garden Cities of Tomorrow. Okay, now we're getting the vision. This this is an extremely influential book, and, and in that vision, he starts to talk about, we don't want to build cities larger than... 20,000 people. All right. We want, and, and, and these were sort of like, all right, we have London as the hub, and then we're going to build outskirts towns or outskirts cities. And But they're not, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to be commuter suburbs. They're going to be their own self-contained. Cities. You're going to live Both. and work. Both. I mean, they're, they're going to be tied to London and, and the other garden cities through, through train transportation. Okay. So, but then, the, that's he, he's the one that brings in. We want to bring the garden into the you know uh-huh. the ruse and herb as they call it, which means bringing the garden into the city. Um, and he starts doing that, and he's like, "All right, these cities are going to be separated by green spaces. It's going to be okay, like living so out it's... in the beautiful country. The romantic movement is just uh-huh, is just ended yeah, here, yeah. and the whole idea of nature being part of who we are and what we want to be kind of thing moves in there." He also brings in the idea of a neighborhood that's that's in a close walking distance to uh, the center of town, your car commerce, your retail. So you all of a sudden you get this comprehensive community right between you and your neighbors. Yeah, and right, and and you know that's that was the British Garden City movement, and that uh, still is probably still going on today in some aspects. Uh Um, They do love their gardens. (laughs) <laughs> they love their gardens. So, so, yeah, the idea of, like, having planning for places for kids to play, mm-hmm. planning for places right. for, you know, sports and recreation, recreation and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that all, that all makes sense. Yeah. It, seems like, it seems like there's, a, a, like, a continuum. There are some things that are 
that are responsible planning ahead of time. And there are other things where they're just they're getting a little too in the weeds and trying to tell people what they're <laughs> to, to, start to micromanage micromanage uh, life and tell this is the way <clears throat> people are supposed to live and it gets to be a bit much. Yeah, and 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 right, and 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 I think that that is the um, well, the history of planning and and. Well, the history planning of the 19th and 20th centuries is about that, you know, the top-down planning versus right. sort of the organic planning, meaning you go out and talk to the neighbors and figure out what they want to do. Right. And it was interesting. Why would you do that? Why would you ask the stupid people? I mean, you have these geniuses. Yeah. Yes, this is where yeah. we started getting into expertism. Yeah. And, well, that's yeah. what happened in 1923. <laughs> they, uh, uh, a bunch of really smart people got together and created the Regional Planning Association of America. Okay. And uh, the two, I, well, the three I remember, Clarence Stein, and he wrote a book called uh, uh, New Towns. Right. And uh, Lewis Mumford, who wrote the book City and History and a whole bunch of other things, very influential. And, and then, then... His son started a band. Yeah, right. I read the Mumford <laughs> And then um, Benton McKay. But Benton McKay is also famous for the idea of the Appalachian Trail. Oh, Ooh, interesting. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, he was really influential okay. in moving that forward. Yeah. So, but so uh, all these big, big minds out there, and they create that. And the first thing that they do, because, and 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 this is sort of a, a thing, is instead of building an ideal city outside the city, we start seeing this comprehensive planning ideas being done inside cities. So the first place that they go is 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 a place called. Um, uh, Sunnyside, which is a, a which is basically a, a affordable housing, mixed use housing complex in Queens, mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. and that's where they start to do ah. things, you know, and and sort of that's where you start to start to get characteristics of what new towns are versus organics, various housing products, mm-hmm. you know, we they they wanted the mixed. Uh, affordable housing with market rate housing or, or, or low income with high income. Not maybe on the same street, but very close to each other walking distance. Basically, so your maid can walk to your work. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so, um, the other thing they started doing at that time, which is really important, is they start to accommodate uh, planning starts to accommodate the automobile. Uh-huh. What the heck do you do with that th- th- right. that 2000 that yeah. pound machine that's driving around that could kill a kid on the street very closely. So one of the things they do is they create courts and gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was kind of successful, sunny side. They got it built, and then they decided, well, well we're going to build something on the outskirts of New York City. And that's where they create the Radburn. And this was supposed to be a planned village for 25,000 people. Mm-hmm. And in that planned village, uh, only a portion of it was cre- uh, uh, actually built, and it was basically because the economics and the developers couldn't couldn't make enough money. And you know, once you start buying property, it's like you know, oh, I sold my house just recently. You're like, all right, I'm going to try to sell my house a little bit more. So all of a sudden, you know, the house, the, the land starts to get expensive. Um, but the characteristics of of this suburban village, because we're really talking about suburban cities at this point, yeah. Uh, various housing styles, 
specialized road, road plans. You know, you had service lanes, secondary collector roads, main roads through the district, and express highways that connected everything. So you had that creation there. Uh, you had the creation of garages. You know, they started building uh, not a garage for each house, but like if you had an apartment complex, they would build 25 garages out back. You know, for one thing I've <clears throat> frequently wondered about about garages is before people were driving cars, they were riding horses. So you had to have stables and things, mm-hmm. right? So why didn't, this, <laughs> yeah. why didn't the stables just turn into garages? Well, they did in the beginning. Okay, right. Um, remember, at the turn of the 20th century, uh, as, as a sidelight, the automobile was the rich man's hobby. Yeah, right. And when you go to Mount Vernon, for example, I can talk about Baltimore. When you go to Mount Vernon, for example, you can still see five or six buildings that were the high-class automobile dealerships. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see in the back every now and then, you start to see the um, different garages. And you would even see every now and then a carriage house turn into a garage. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but sense. you're right. I mean, that, that's, you know, the, the barn or the stable was the sort of the uh, uh, president uh, of the uh, garage at the time. And, you know, by the 1920s, you know, Sears is selling garages. Right, yeah. At, at a thing, you know, a metal, a metal garage you could put up in a weekend with your buddies. It's kind of funny now to think about it nowadays. You don't think of horses being in cities, but obviously they were. You, know, you had to have, in, in a big city, you had to have places to stable all the horses. 1887, so. Baltimore had 27,000 horses. And they they pooped about 100 pounds a day. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was car, car, car pollution is bad, but not that bad. Right. <laughs> car pollution is bad, but horse pollution is really bad. quite a lot worse, yeah. So, but so, so the Radburn shows up, but then, then that becomes sort of the model for Greenbelt. And the way that Greenbelt got built was is it, it was a New Deal project, basically. Mm-hmm. It was a way to put architects and planners and surveyors and carpenters all to work. And they created, they wanted to create this great place. And it was sort of the same thing. They, they, they used the Radburn characteristics. And then they created different neighborhoods that were, that were in walking distance to the town center. Uh, street patterns start to be really important. You start to see the innovation of a cul-de-sac, of a T Street, mm-hmm. of, uh, of a, a T and Loop Street, and right, and then they had, right the separation of the automobile from the um, pedestrian pathway. So that's that's really important, especially in the next next phase you have there, and you start to get the cooperative ownership of retail services, and you start to get the the administrative or government services, which are sort of more private than they are public. So if you create a comprehensive town, you have to create a governmental sort of entity. That's sort of what happened in the 20s and 30s. After the 30s, it just sort of died off because, you know, there wasn't government subsidies to build these things. They had other other concerns like wars. Well, that was part of it, right? Right. Right. And then, you know, after World War II, of course, we have Levittown. And, and I think Levittown it is, you can look at it as, is it an ideal community or is it not? Or is it an organic community? And it's a little bit of both. Right? A little bit of both. But these are still, these right. are communities that serve cities. And when we get to the ideal city, it's self-contained with all of, with jobs, manufacturing, 
yeah. schools, hospitals, I mean, every, right? You're, you're, Somebody's you're, trying you're, to plan the whole thing soup the, to nuts. Right, right. Yeah. right. They're going, okay, we saw, uh, yes, cities up till now have been growing organically and, uh, you know, on top of a planned structure. But other than yeah. that, just, you know, uh, the marketplace itself, human marketplace, is making the decisions. Well, now we have enough people who are educated enough and have studied these things enough that now it's time to plan a city, like you say, soup to nuts. What, uh, Mr. Longinus, when was Brasilia? When did when did uh, Brazil move its capital from where, where was it? Was that it was Rio? in the 1950s, right? Well, yeah. no, it actually started before then. The concept started before then, but they didn't start building it until the 1950s. Yeah, right. Early on, there was this idea of making a more... Uh, geographically central capital for Brazil. Okay. But, and that, so the idea was kind of old, but they didn't actually start doing it until the 1950s. And I guess what, what you, I have all these examples of utopian urban planning where they're trying to build mm-hmm. some great city and it just turns out to be a disaster. Right. Because they, I, it's, I'm trying to think what the right analogy is. I'm thinking maybe it's sort of like Icarus. You know, obviously, <laughs> yeah, obviously every Every city has to have some level of planning. You can't, sorry, you can't build a house in the middle of the yeah. road. You can't, you can't, people can't be pooping upstream from where we're drawing out water for, uh, for drinking, right. you know. So there's all kinds of plans and rules that have to be implemented to make a city work. But it's almost like th- there's a certain level of planning is appropriate depending on the right. complexity of the city. And once the complexity gets beyond a certain once the planning gets beyond a certain yeah. level of complexity, you, you can't, you can no longer anticipate the wants and needs of that, of that many people. Right, you can only anticipate. It's like you can only anticipate a little bit ahead. Right. You know, it's like here's this train, here's this train of civilization going down the tracks, and it's got a light on the front, and the light shines thirty feet ahead of, ahead. But if you're trying to look three miles ahead, you, you're just not that good. I th- also, right. isn't there? A, I think there's a certain orneriness. Of human beings, of <laughs> don't like you uh, don't what, what's the history of civilization? People walking uh, yeah, towards that's, that's right. okay. So my history of civilization, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, ten billion people walking in line down the road, and the first one falls into a ditch. He climbs out of the ditch, turns to the person behind him, and says, "Watch out for the ditch." And the guy behind him says, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. right, 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 right. So I, I think too much people are going to. Respond whether they even know it or not negatively to being overplanned, mm-hmm. and you know that yeah, they don't might, tell me what plants I can plant in my front yard. Right, right. right. So you're going to have an intersection of 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 walking paths that you know are ideal, and then people are just going to shortcut across from here, <laughs> from here to there. One, just because I want to. Uh, two, just don't tell me what to do. Well, you know, and, the Greenbelt Metro was a good example of this. Because when they designed the Greenbelt Metro, they, they set it up so people would walk a certain way. Okay? Nobody walked that way. <laughs> right. Everybody got out of their cars and they walked a different way. So you'd have this, this field that had a, a grass field with a dirt path running because that's the where people actually walk. Yes. So the difference is see where people actually want to walk and build a path there. Right, right. Or say, no, sorry, you have to walk this way. Or is, is that's a, the yeah, way. Give well, how about uh, something? No, I, I was going to just say with that, and, and when you talk about Brasilia... Yeah, that's I, what I want to get back to. Go I had a friend that, that that went down there many times doing work for UNESCO, and he was talked about this grand, beautiful city that was planned, mm-hmm. 
But nobody used the sidewalks. Yeah. And he looked over there. There was nothing but dirt path. Yeah. And he said, and on the weekend, everybody flew back home uh-huh. to be like in the right. really cool places. <laughs> right. Of the government officials like Rio, who, had, yeah. who, had, who had government business. Yeah. They were the week for the week and then they would go home for the weekend. So there was no culture, weekend, nightlife. There was none of that was. Well. Here's the question. You can't plan for that. Right? Well, that's... You can't very, plan yeah, for that. Nicely. No matter how you do it. Right, we're, right. We're also going to tell people how to have fun. <laughs> right. Yes, right. Right. You can, you can build all the amphitheaters or whatever you want. <laughs> that doesn't mean that people are going to come have parties there. Right? That's right. <laughs> because, because if they want to go have a party someplace else... So apparently, a problem with Brasilia was it had no connection to the rest of the country. That's right. And there were no real jobs or economic opportunities. It was just this pretend thing set up in the middle of the country. Yeah, probably attractive government buildings. Yeah, right. And but, but some it, pillars. It didn't, it didn't and, have any real organic life to it. Right, no soul. So, yeah. So, and, and as you say, people would leave and they'd go, go elsewhere. Um, right. What do you, what do you all have right, so, now? So I've got India? A bunch of, yeah. All right, take Ch- it to India. Chandigar was planned as the new provincial capital. It's supposed to be the size of Paris. Oh, that's, a, that's too ambitious. They Go wanted ahead. to make it unfettered from the traditions of the past, organized according to a grid plan. Mm. Um, they were going to... No, the farthest points wouldn't be more than a 10-minute walk away. The city's functions would all be in certain places. They, Sounds they, fantastic. But they also said there would be no room for industrial or military activity in Chandigarh. So this was, so was this great big planned city that just completely failed right um and it was also i think based on le Cubusier's plan he was a he was a french architect french screw up everything <laughs> even though i love him anyway uh but and, and and that's where they would just build these massive apartment blocks you know mm-hmm. like sitting in a green lawn someplace yeah. you know and, and it was just so Nobody wanted to live like that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wanted to live like that, and everybody you know that lived like that would 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 just run to the old urban areas. Yeah, nice. The brutalist function, yeah. functional stuff. You know, one time uh, Captain Crowhill and I were on a bike ride down the, the trail along the Anacostia River, and uh, we're, we rode through this one area, and Captain Crowhill turns to me and says. Are these prisons? <laughs> there are these big square brick housing projects right. that were just, they were totally functional, totally brutalist. Right. Just here, here's this ugly square building. And, you know, they did look like prisons, right. except that there was nothing, no, no nothing, uh, nothing ornate, nothing. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing at all to raise your spirits. It was right. just, you know, you, you occupy these square feet in this corner yeah so now there there have been examples of planned cities that did really well dubai is a, is a fantastic yeah. example right where they they built something in the desert and it's doing very well but the chinese tried to duplicate that in the mongolian desert with a town called ordos or how do i say that the bear patch in the gobi desert mm, and it already sounds they, they wanted to build cultural economic political stuff and nobody would go there they had world-class libraries, stadiums, museums. But what they wanted to do is the cost of building this thing was so high, they wanted to pass on the cost in the cost of housing. Ah. And people were like, I'm not going to live there. It's the, most, <laughs> the second most uh, expensive place in all of China, and there's no reason to be there. <laughs> yeah, It's right, just right. a city in the middle of nowhere. Exactly, right. I mean, if it's an awesome happening place, that's a tra- 
I got to go there and make it happening. Right. Yeah. And then Ma- Magnitogorsk, whatever that is. <laughs> Stalin tried oh, to wait, build a planned city. Um, oh, that must the, be awful. The workers froze to death. They didn't make accommodations for, for where... They, in, the, in the wintertime, they'd freeze to death. In the summertime, there were dust storms that buried people alive. Nice. It was just an absolute catastrophe. And it ended up being a labor camp. <laughs> well, that's, that's, right. And we read about those labor camps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Day in a life. And then how do you pronounce this one? Pruitt Igo? Yeah, so this was in St. Louis. They wanted to build this uh, change U.S. housing. They were going to have these beautiful apartment buildings, 11 stories high on the edge of St. Louis. It's supposed to be a paradise for the country's newly emerging middle class. But okay. you said there's a special word for the well, newly emerging middle well, class. Well, that's for the, the, the poverty. It's for <laughs> poor people. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we've hopefully learned is that... They're going to love it. Right. Well, well, concentrating the poor is not a good idea because the concentrating the poor, poor people have less opportunities yeah. than middle class or rich people. Right. So when you concentrate that, they are they have less opportunities as a collective yeah. than others. Right. Folks. And your your right. your neighbors that don't have jobs can't exactly refer you exactly. to jobs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so one thing that... Was but this one was surprisingly short-lived. Yes, well, apparently it was a matter of really bad timing. I don't know what else was wrong with this one. But apparently they built this one right around the time when uh, there was segregation. So a lot, you had a problem of white flight, and the projects mm-hmm. just became doomed because... Um, it was the early 50s it was built, and, it, yeah. and, and, and then in the 1972 it was demolished. And, well, it, it was also sort of the what what but architects. But it didn't just sit said, around unused. They just said, "No, we're just going we're we're tearing well, it, became, it all the it way down." It became a disaster. It, 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 right. It, it was totally poverty. Uh, there was total poverty. There was crime. Nobody wanted to live there. It was just it was it was the worst of what you think of as the projects. Um, so then, home. This is an interesting one. Yeah, in Washington same. State. An anarchist utopia founded oh, in 1895. This, this is oh, not going to go wrong. And they said the founders. <laughs> The founders reasoned that residents would break free of society's shackles and create a heaven on earth. Okay. But without ru- without rules, they got <laughs> right. all these all kinds of weird people. And what ended up happening is you had a bunch of nudists move in, and they ended up having two groups in the town. There was the nudes and the prudes, and they and they kind of got in big conflicts, and the utopia fell apart. So, okay. Yeah, what a surprise! Palmanova, Italy, was. A military architect wanted to design an impregnable fortress of a city. So, you know, here he is. He's thinking from his perspective. Boy, if you're a military guy, what what's your perspective on a city? Well, I want to be able to fire cannons. I want to be able to do this and that. So he had high walls, a moat, uh, cutting-edge defenses to protect against the, the Ottomans. But, ah. the, but nobody wanted to live there because you're basically saying, I'm going to go live exactly where there's going to be fighting. Yeah. <laughs> why would I, I, I take my family there? Hey, no, no. I've thought all of that out. You'll be safe. <laughs> sure, there's going to be war going on. Yeah. They will attack, but Every once in a while, cannonballs will land in the city, but don't worry about that. Yeah. New Delhi, um, there's a lot of problems with New Delhi. It was supposed to be a poverty-free utopia, but apparently when the Brits left, they like took everything, <laughs> everything with them. There wasn't enough money to build this place, and it just became a wash full of slums. People just moved in and built their own crappy little no, dwellings. Uh-huh. Shacks on shacks. Which was probably better uh, that they did that than if it was just 
with what they built because right. it was even in the slums you have character mm-hmm. and 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 in in many of the squatter cities that we see today is it are full of a hell of a lot more opportunities for the people that are going to those squatter cities. Hmm. Well, they're going there, but well, they wouldn't go there. They would, they're going there because they know that there's a possibility of getting a job or something. Right, right. They wouldn't get a job. Right. I mean, right, the people who basically live in a garbage dump. Well, they spend all day recycling junk out of the garbage, and right. you know what? They can right. feed their families and not, somehow, not, not somehow well, have eight kids. But they're but they're seeing they're seeing some sort of an opportunity. That's why they're going. Yeah, right. Not not an opportunity any of us want. So, and, and the other thing, which is really there's there's there two really great things about it is you go, the women who go to those squatter cities have more of an opportunity to get educated, <clears throat> and when that happens, then being in the village, then being in the the, the rural village, oh. and then the other thing that happens is. The the reason why we are are, are looking the, the the rate of population increase has slowed drastically uh, is because of the movement from the rural areas into the inner squatter city. The more the more that women get educated to realize that men are no good, and the, the less they want to have kids, right? Or they want to have less kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. I mean, in your you're not on a farm, so eight kids isn't as advantageous in in the city as it is on a farm where you got free labor. That's kids. right. That's true. Right. Now this next one, supposedly, if you're in England and you mention Milton Keynes, yeah, they'll, you'll, they'll you'll know it. A, you'll get a sniggering, uh, knowing wink. Right. The idea it was supposed to be endless suburbs with green spaces, very pro-pedestrian. It was supposed to be this lovely thing. Apparently, it was so boring. There was there was no center to it. It became Came a byword for boredom and soulless living. Oh, <laughs> oh just, so yeah, this place reminds me of right, right. Uh, well, this yeah. has got a real Milton Keynes feel to it. I guess You're right. I mean, like, some kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like some of those little developments. By the time it's just a bunch of houses. There's nothing there. There's no ballpark. There's no. There's yeah. no nothing. Just imagine that going on for mile after mile after mile. <laughs> like, why would you want to live in a place like that? Ar- Arco Santi. Okay, here we get back to the States. Yeah, middle of the Arizona desert. Sounds great. Uh, full of hyper-dense housing units stacked atop one another to re- resemble an alien termite mound. I don't understand what that's about. <laughs> Why? The people, the What's people, not to love? Go yeah, ahead. The idea was the people living there would burn no fossil fuels, they'd grow their own food, and be totally self-sufficient. Okay. The whole thing would be funded by selling wind chimes. <laughs> and... and they used unskilled volunteers to build the po- volunteers to build the place. And how did it go? It's not finished. <laughs> it's still there. It's still there, and there are tours. You can it's go, not you can I, look, I looked it up on uh, Google Maps, and right. there it is. You can and you can go there. I saw some now, pictures. of Are there it. people so, living there, or, or not very many? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess wind chimes just don't. I'm bring putting it all that down. on my bucket list. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. ever in Arizona. Skopje, uh, Macedonia. I'm not pronouncing that right. right. Now, it was, this was during the time when Macedonia was part of Yugoslavia. It was rebuilt after an earthquake as a concrete, brutalist, horrible thing. And nobody liked it. It was a laughing stock. Of, right. So there was the old city. Then there was the, then there was the brutalist well, uh, communist version. Old city and then an earthquake. And then the brutalist communist version. Right. And nobody, and liked, then, nobody liked it. They tore it down. Okay. But then what they built... Was this like campy Disneyland version of ancient Greece? No, I and see. you have yeah, here, where's that picture there? Here's this picture. Look at this. <laughs> this is this. You have 
these silly Greek statues. It looks like something from Clash of the Titans. Right. So this is actually this isn't this isn't from a city that went wrong site. This is like Lonely Planet, like a pro tourism mm-hmm. site, and it right. said uh, so. The re- the result was, you know, they built this fancy city, as you say. The largely weird and wonderful collection of statues, which confound locals and visitors alike. <laughs> Make sure you tick off the following life-size marble and bronze attractions during your sightseeing tour. So these, these are some of the various <laughs> sights you could see. There's the equestrian the, warrior, right? The beggar, right. whoever that is. The two girls, tree man, girl with guitar, and the pirate ships of Scotia. <laughs> You're right, and it is just like a little silly. There are almost three hundred statues. Yeah, wow! Yeah, that's. Okay. And so, then the last one on my list is Jonestown. No, well, in, in the Guyana jungle. Uh, um, I don't remember that not going yeah, well. Yeah, they they wanted to organize it along along principles of equality and brotherly love, and it started off somewhat promising, and it was very racially diverse. Uh, but then, of course, you had the Kool Aid was bad. the Kool Aid was bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I when I hear ideal city. I think two things, like an authoritarian, Stalinist government who's decided how you should live and how you will live, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the end of a bayonet, but that's okay because we know better. You'll you'll figure it out. Or there's the soft, softer approach, which is we've gathered the brightest sociologists, psychologists, urban planners, right. environmentalists, and we've created the perfect place that you will love, mm-hmm. but people will either choose to you know, do something other than you have planned for them, mm-hmm. or they'll just find it kind of soulless and like, I see what you're trying to do here, but it just feels forced. Yeah. And right. Right. yeah, you know, it reminds me of a couple of other things. There's Esperanto. You know, <laughs> yeah. Is a, is, a, is a planned language. Yeah. And, you know, when you try to learn English, there's all kinds of goofiness in English. You right. know, why, why do we spell this word this way and this word this way? And English is a very tough language, but it developed organically. That's the way language is developed. Right. Esperanto right. is very logical. Right. But nobody speaks it. <laughs> nobody speaks right. it. Right. It doesn't. It's the language right. of the future. Well, it always will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you think about the, the, the creation of Columbia, yeah, and, and you say the soft approach, that's right. a- absolutely correct. Not only did they have the planners, the land- landscape planners, the, the ecologists, the economics, right. the uh, business professionals, you know, creating, well, we need to have 1,400 square feet of retail space for right. every No one should be 10, more than 2.1 miles away right. from a grocery store or a yeah. post office. Uh, you can't, you know, we can't. There's a, there was one block on Light Street that had two pet shops on the same block. And my thought was always, wouldn't have that in Colombia. Right. Somebody would try to move in and whoever is, the HOA lords would come in and go, you didn't see that there's already a, a pet store here? The only things that can go into this spot have to be the one of these five yeah, you stores. Can sell, you can sell you cookies. Sh- you can do a shoe <laughs> store, but uh, you have to be another point nine miles away if you want yeah. to. And, you know, that, uh, that right. it's, it's tiresome. Right. I mean... They, they, they are the sort of the creation of the Homeowners Association design guidelines, yes. yeah. which, as you see right now, most subdivisions out there have a Homeowners Association and design guidelines to yeah. protect your, your community from going awry because somebody wants to build a back yeah. force. Yeah, yeah. The, the other I mean, somebody's got, got a, uh, you know, uh, cars parked in the front lawn. 
Right. Right. So if there isn't if there isn't something in the county laws that say right. you can't do that, then you've got no recourse as the neighbor who's trying to sell your house and you can't because, right. because uh, you can't do that. So, so that's the, the other thing. Your your examples, either the Stalinists or the the experts, you know, right, yeah. there, it reminds me of something called Gall's Law, G A L L apostrophe S Law, which is an interesting idea. It says that a complicated system cannot be designed from scratch. But hmm. a complicated uh, yeah, system okay, can, can, only, can only work if it starts from a smaller system that works in the real world. So you find a smaller thing that actually works in the real world and you can build on that. And that's this concept uh, of, there's this concept in, in development of the minimum viable product. Okay, You take some need, somebody has a need for something, right. and you make something that actually addresses that need. And then you let real people work with it and try it and play around with oh, it. Right. And, and a beta version. Out, yeah. And you find out, well, wait a minute. They don't actually do it this way. They actually do it this way because that's just the way people are. Yeah. And so you find something that actually works in the real world. And mm-hmm. then you build on that thing mm-hmm. rather than just having a bunch of experts come in and say, oh, well, of course they'll I do think, it this I way. I think of the uh, Jetsons video phone that's how we're going to communicate in the future well when it came along you know what people don't want to sit and stare at each other's faces they want a device that they can put in they can, they can walk around to leave the house yeah to communicate with each other yeah and, right? and, and trump lost his shirt or one of his shirts on the video phone right? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. He, was, right. he, he was he was he was a big investor and he was a big seller of that. anticipating <laughs> a big, right. or, or, but yeah that's see that yeah. that's the sort of thing where if you have a bunch of geniuses sit around and they say, oh, everyone will want to do this. Yeah. Now, if you're just starting a company, investing in it, it's fine. That's your money. You know, you, you do well or you don't do well. But when you have it imposed, everybody is going to do this because obviously that's the way everybody does it. <laughs> and then it turns out, no, people don't really want to do that. They want to do this other thing. And that's kind of the, that's the, where do you draw that line? Because obviously we need planning. Obviously we need structure and rules and and limits on certain things Mm -hmm. but at the same time we don't want the stalinist or the uh you know experts the hoa people (laughs) coming in and telling everybody what to do right well i i i I would suggest it's it's not an either or because there are some people that do want to live in a planned community columbia is still thriving it's being rebuilt as 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 we speak if you go down there now you'll see cranes out there in the parking lots building sort of a better uh, town city Hmm. Uh, but there are people out there that that want that stuff Uh and want so and there are people that don't want that stuff so it may be that you know the free market is the way to Say well, you know, uh, we have enough new, uh, we have enough planned communities. You know, nobody wants to buy into those anymore. Mm-hmm. There's enough yeah, out yeah, there, sure. and there's right. enough there. So, but I, I, I agree with you. the The idea is you want to plan, but you also want to, especially if you're working in an or, in an older organic city, you want to plan, but you also want to plan for the spontaneous for the yeah but at least you've already got something to work with there yeah. it's i think it's 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 buying a billion dollars worth of land in the california desert uh-huh. uh and creating an entire city from scratch yeah it's it's a a we've we'll always kind of... been trying to do that and 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 and, and in some, and well in some ways it's probably going to succeed in many other ways it's probably going to fail my and, feeling my my prediction on this is that it will suffer from its own progressivism yeah that these people will either 
give in to their progressive instincts, which has turned most West Coast cities into hellscapes, or they'll opt for a more conservative, limited vision, vision right, yeah. which is going to fly in the face of their progressivism and the very people that they think that, they're, that, that they want to attract. So, because for me, my ideal city... They'll get canceled because they won't be progressive enough. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to be like, we're not having homeless people here. We're not having drug addicts. <laughs> yeah. In my ideal city, you're not having drug addicts. Right. You're not, you're not, there's no homeless population. There's nobody living on the dole mm-hmm. in my, in, right. in my ideal city. They're going to take a hard line against those things where it's going to be clean. Uh, but of course, those are, that's the opposite. Those are conservative principles that are being denied daily in LA where they won't even charge people for shoplifting. Yeah, but a lot of the times you have that kind of a goal. We don't want to have any homeless people. Okay, fine. Everybody doesn't want to have homeless people. But what do you have to do to make that happen? Does that mean you have to have people wandering around the streets grabbing them all, you know? Yeah, he's like, right, exactly. Right. What are you going to do? Yeah, yes, you 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 cannot be here. This is <laughs> that's what we, I mean, what we used to do before we had a serious homeless problem until they either ship themselves out or you ship them out. Could you have an HOA that, uh, you know, that says, look, we're not going to have drug addict, homeless people. You have three choices. You can, first off, if you're on drugs, you go to a drug, drug center. Right. And that's a, and it's not voluntary. It's, and it's behind fences. Right. If you have mental problems, also, you have to go into, if you don't have either of those, then we're going to get you a clean, we're going to have a work center for, to, to get you a job. Mm-hmm. There's no hanging out on the streets. Could you, in this new city, could you have an HOA that does that, or it would no. eventually go to the California uh, no, court they, system they, and they, they, it would all be struck ruled, down? They ruled unconstitutional right. or something. Yeah. So it would just turn into yeah. so it's going to turn and, into and, another hellscape. And when would that? But but I would also argue, when would that turn into sort of a authoritarian yeah. type of landscape? Right? Yeah. But and could it, you have? But what if but, what if your HOA was okay with that? It was like you know what? It's all right. We're... Some people think HOAs are authoritarian. <laughs> well, they are, are, are in a sense. But I think the, the, the HOA would be, you know, oh, you can't park your car overnight here and sleep in it. That's against the rules. Or, you know, it's probably against the rules of the, the uh, town laws, too. You could just make it uh, uncomfortable enough that they would go somewhere else. But if you, if you actually provided one of those three things, like, all right, yeah. you've got mental problems, and that's, this needs to be addressed, and you can either... Go into our barbed wire center over here, or uh, you know, get a bus out of town. Yeah, right. Well, the bus. Right. But this, but see, what I'm saying is the mindset of the of of, Cal- of Silicon Valley moguls. Yeah. The, all of their friends that, that they want to appeal to. Uh, yeah. They're not going to go for any of that. See, I th- I think. Well, the, I, I I I don't think the, the the moguls out there are are. I think the reason why they're thinking of the planned city is because they saw that their cities that yeah. they love so much are are falling apart and turning uh, into disasters yeah. well that have pro- I'll say that have problems okay <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah and and so they're like oh we can do it better yeah. and, and their attempt is but it would require probably, some heavy handedness is what yes, I'm saying and that's, but I'm not sure what right. they're willing to do and it's going to be hubris that's going to destroy it because they're going to think they know better they're going to think we're going to make houses that all have this kind of dishwasher and have this kind of thing. And we're all going to use energy from, you know, fairy farts or whatever. And it's it's going to be their hubris that brings the thing down because they're going to think they have solutions to homelessness. Like they're, they're going to think they have a solution. Well, the question is going to be, really not going to have a solution well, the questions, my question is in this new city that, that they're building, are they going to create 
institutions for social services, institutions for drug right. rehab, yeah. institutions yeah. for yeah. workforce learning, yeah. institutions for yeah. housing entry. No those are the how, things. No matter how yeah, well those are right. Treatment. But that they, but the they have to be same. mandatory. Those things exist in San Francisco, in Portland, also. Yeah. And nobody wants to take advantage of them because they'd rather lay around and get high. Right. So you, right. you take, just make that not an option. You take 20,000 people who are all law-abiding, wonderful people. None of them are drug addicts. Everything's perfect. And you take all these 20,000 perfect people and you put, in a, put them in a city. In five years, you're going to have drug addicts. going to go wrong. Because, you know, kids go different ways. Something's going to happen. It's not in the city. I mean, you put them anywhere. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. In yeah, the middle of the desert. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the only thing that... But, I think the idea of, you know, I'm, I'm sure renewable energy, oh yeah, renewable energy is going to be on their on their list. Sure. Yeah. But it is the desert. It is a place where solar is. They they can get a substantial amount, uh, and well, and I, but not. But you shouldn't mistake that for that can be done anywhere. Okay. Right. Right. The circumstances I, would be good. Yeah. I mean, just talking about this and, and, and being the advocate for the uh, um, the outlier. Right. You know, I grew up in a in a planned community, Montgomery Village, right. and it had all the characteristics of Columbia, and and there were several things that happened that nobody saw that was on the horizon, or or, or nobody planned for um, the divorce rate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, when you thought you would have Communities full of uh, housewives. There was no adult around. Right. Um, then you had to, so so the women were also working. You had the planned uh, uh, the divorce rate going on, and then every place in Montgomery Village was had the planner's intention behind it. But as a teenager. We would use all those places for mischief. Well, I would say, well, n- mischief's a good mischief. word, <laughs> not nefarious, but mischief. <laughs> so we would go down to the park, you know, on Friday uh, afternoon and drink beer and, and <laughs> smoke dope if you could, you know. And we all, and even when we were in elementary school, we found. You know, the clump of trees that was not planned for, and that's where we would go. Because oh, we right. Had to get outside right. of, right, of right. that. So the there was always, the yeah. always moving outside. They're always finding where it, they weren't planned for us. But at the same time, we used the bike paths, we used uh, the tennis courts, uh, basketball courts, swimming pools. We used all of that stuff, and it was great, and yeah. that was really good for us. You know, Jordan Peterson says that if you could if you could design the perfect city, that is perfect environment where everything was wonderful and everything worked beautifully and everyone was happy, <clears throat> somebody would mess it up yeah. just to see what would happen. Yes. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the Dostoevsky notes from the underground? Yep. I see. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. what I was thinking. All righty. Well, well, let's keep working it, making cities better, but don't get too ambitious. Exactly. I think that's the, the, don't fly too close to the city. <laughs> <laughs> Crowhill here. Thanks so much for listening to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. If you like the show, please tell a friend or share it in whatever way seems appropriate to you. We also have a website, beerandconversation.com. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at pigweedshow at gmail.com. Thanks so much. See you next time.